0: Hi everybody, welcome to another episode by Silvari. Today I have Brian Chutine on the show and Brian Chutine was my senior year high school football coach and he is currently the principal at Ashland High School and me and him have had a, I would say a journey that dates back seven years now where it started and he's a really motivational and inspirational person and he's had a lot of great life experiences go on in his life and I'm really excited to have him on the show, just to gauge a little bit about his perspective on life and how he has gotten to where he has gotten. Um, I know principals might not be our favorite people in the whole wide world, but I know <laughs> this guys a pretty good one. So uh, I call him Coach Shatine. Coach Shatine, how are you doing today? Good. Um, thanks for having me on the
1: show, Josh. It's been fantastic following your journey as well. And I guess the thing that just comes to mind is iron sharpens, irons one man sharpens another. And you're saying great things about me, but um, that that goes in return and you sharpen me all the time, my friend.
0: (laughs) Well, thanks for that. Uh, Something I wanted to ask you, and it goes back to uh, my senior year of football. And I, I only had you as a high school coach for one year, my senior year, which is probably one of our most important years. But you were such a difference maker in my life with how you approach the game and how you coach kids. You were very different from what I experienced previous. And the word I would put to it is is love. And you brought a lot of positivity to the to practices. Um, what about your personality or what you do brings that aspect to the game? Is there something that had happened in your life where you just have to go onto the football field and coach with? love in the way that you do
1: boy you you, josh you're uh you're getting uh you're getting me to reflect quite a bit which is (laughs) which is definitely one of the most um powerful words we have and powerful tools we have for us so i want to say thank you for that it put it puts things in perspective reflection puts things in perspective um so you're asking why 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 did I coach? And I love is this, love is an important word, right? And uh, I, 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 man, I'm a, I'm a Christian that coached football, or I'm a Christian that coaches football, or I'm a Christian that is a is a principal, or I'm a Christian that's a father, or I'm a Christian that's a husband. So I, I guess with, with that being said, God gave me God gave me a gift, He gave me some tools as well. He put some people in my life, my my high school football coach Thomas Dell, um, amongst others. My mom, my dad. And that, that I'm really glad you picked up on our love because even now I was talking to our new teachers today after school. We had a little, little clinic, little session together. It's like, I love them. Like, I don't, I don't know how you describe that, but like, it's really hard to beat love. And so you're, you're asking about coaching football. Josh, if I didn't if I didn't love you, then I, I really truly don't think I should step on the football field mm-hmm. because I I really truly think that I that I'm chasing after the scoreboard, which will always leave me empty. And there's a scoreboard for a reason, right? We put it on the football field for a reason, right? It's a game, so there's importance to that. But if I only chase the scoreboard, I would constantly feel empty in my life. And Josh, like being here with you today is very emotional for me. So I'm an emotional person. That's probably why I love you. Um, why I love my wife and I love my children. It means a lot for me to be sitting here in front of you today. And I think that goes right back to that football field. And football is just a vehicle to, to teach people about character, to teach people about love, to teach people about work ethic. We, we just got to play the greatest game on earth. But then it's my responsibility, I strongly feel as a Christian, to teach folks those values. And hopefully, somewhere along the way, I'm allowed to witness to somebody. You know, there's public school, you know, uh, concerns there. You know, so we got to live as as Christians. We need to make sure we're very cautious and careful about those things. But um, I need to witness through who I am, how I behave every single day. And that's, that's really why, why I do it, you know, do it for Christ.
0: Yeah, that's a great answer. I really like how you said that you wouldn't step on the football field if it wasn't because you loved us. And if you were chasing the points on the scoreboard, you'd always feel empty. Because that was, I I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but it is, football does suck if it's just about the scoreboard. Because there's only going to be one team that wins the national championship. And I've heard it a lot of times before. It's like, other coaches would say, I've had very talented teams that's have, that have won a lot of games, but it sucked because the love wasn't there.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So I think, and in today's society, we see a lot of result-orientated, um, you know, performance environments without the aspect of love. Mm-hmm. So, and then another thing I want to hit on with what you said was how you exemplify uh you know, your emotions and love. You, to me, have always been a highly uh, energized person. So what is it? Like, how do you get your mind to, like, were you born with it or do you make choices where it's like today's the day?
1: I think there's a little bit of both. Uh, <laughs> my, my, my oldest son, Jackson, oh, he is, I so deserve him, by the way. Um, <laughs> he, he, he messages me on his little messenger thing uh, even throughout the day. And dad, I did 30 pushups, dad, I did 50 jumping jacks. And so there's definitely that, that character trait that's in both of us that God gave us. But, you know, I just having those people in life, like I, I talked about Thomas Stell and Steve Fregean, Mark Campbell, I mean, I could go on and on about those, those impactful folks, uh, Mrs. dolman of Dahlman in my life that were enthusiastic people that, that the moment they woke up to the moment they went to bed, they gave it their all. And it's like, I guess for me, the first thing I do when I wake up, I do pushups right away when I get up in the morning. all right, We're getting after it. Today's a day. Today is a gift. I might not have tomorrow. So let's yeah. use today. So that's a lot of my philosophy. and So I was born with some things. God gave me some things right away. And then I think it's been, you know, hopefully enhanced exercise through folks that i've been around in life
0: how many push-ups can
1: you pop off these days oh in a row, in a row, i used to be well over 100 but yeah yeah way back when yeah i don't practice like that so much anymore i think it's more like 30 then i pause and 30 then i pause and 30 then i pause so you doing push-ups in the uh, principal office actually sometimes i purposely just do burpees because we do a lot more sitting than we were mm-hmm. teaching if i mm-hmm. it's like okay i gotta do 10 burpees right now because i gotta
2: get <laughs>
0: I got to get some energy out there. Yeah. Hey, the best way to get energy is by, by doing something, doing something that has, that takes energy. Yep. Weird how that works. But uh, so you went from a gym teacher and high school football coach to principal. So what about that transition? What made you want to be a principal? Other than the uh, supreme salary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um...
1: That's, that's a great question, Josh. And, uh, there, there's a lot, there's a lot that went into it. Um, I didn't, one, I didn't anticipate being a principal at a very young age. I didn't, in my thirties, I did not, I did not anticipate that. I was 34, which isn't necessarily young in education, but it's not old. It's not old by any stretch of the means. Right. Um, any experience that I've had in life, whether it was becoming a teacher, becoming a football coach, and any of those experiences that I've had, they were literally like drops of like golden nuggets along the way that somehow somehow led me down those paths. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back a, kind of a long ways. Connie Dolman was the one that in speech class, I never wanted to be in speech class, right? I mean, I was the bias, young uh, jock. In high school, that said, that's only for girls. Speech class is only for girls, right? It's only girls in that class. That was the best classes I ever had. <laughs> Man, taught me confidence and speaking in front of people and taught me to, you know, live outside of my comfort zone a little bit. So I encourage people to do those things, right? Even when you, you think like you're, you know, on a different kind of platform. Um, kind of was like, you know, you'd be a great teacher. And Mark Campbell was the same way in high school. And so was Coach Mistel. And then I, all right, I'm going to go be a teacher. I'm going to go be a football coach, right? Um, I remember early on in my career, Norm Philipsic and Paul Gibbertson saying, my two principals when I was actually teaching in Ashland, they said, you'd be a really good principal. I'm 26 years old. I'm like, I don't want to be a principal right now. Holy smokes, right? And I look at what those guys go through and the stress that they have. And, and then I, and then I, became a football coach and was a great opportunity to be a leader, right? Great opportunity to learn to lead people, run a program. Um, and then I went from, from mine on and I went from, and went to Hayward a little bit bigger, more, more folks to, to make sure you are looking over more folks. You have the opportunity to love more staff members. And then um, my wife, Brooke and I, we started having kids and, I've always loved leadership, right? You're asking, why are you so enthusiastic? I think it has to with be being a leader and setting a tone and setting a culture. And so, um, Josh who was the best principal I was ever around. Remember Mr. Tomish, of course. Oh, yeah. Great yeah. And, um, I'm like, man, I want to be like Mr. Tomish. He empowered me to do a lot of things as a football coach at, in my, and then, and then being a teacher in Mainang. And um, Craig Olson, superintendent in Hayward, um, loved his enthusiasm uh, I was like, man, I want to be a, I want to be a leader like him, uh, with, 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 the way he sets a tone, way he sets a culture. And it, I, there were some jobs that were open. I'm like, oh man, I'd like to be a principal. And I, I didn't have the licensure at the time and I wasn't ready to go to back to school to get my licensure. And then when one day I was like, okay, I don't know what, again, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. You're going to get your licensure.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: I went into a fantastic program. It was about servant leadership. Mm-hmm. So even though it's a public school entity, it was really about it was really Christian based philosophy. We mm. definitely wish you could use the gospel more in class, but anyway, um, my youngest son Jace um, has had twelve eye surgeries and has been through a lot um, medically. Um, has a autoimmune uh, d- uh, disorder, and so I we loved we loved teaching, my wife and I, we loved our lifestyle, but our medical bills were through the roof. And you should never chase money. But I really knew that there was two things. I loved leadership. I wanted to be a principal and leader like, you know, like Mr. Tomish. And I thought, hey, here's a good opportunity. And, and the job in my wife's town where she's from, Ashland, Wisconsin, came open and I applied and I got, and I got the job. So why? Why do I want to do that? And it's about setting a tone, and Josh, I try to use the same philosophy in the football field as a principal in the school.
0: Yeah, I really figure that's when I heard you get the job four years ago, I was like, he's going to treat it like he was, you know, a football coach. But to push on that point a little bit more, you said establishing a culture. And the greatest coaches that I've been around and have witnessed and read about, they all talk about how important it is in establishing a culture. It's not even so much about the X's and O's and the talent that you have, but about the culture that's established, what the standard is, what the bar is. And for me, hearing you talk, and like I said, you know, my senior year, you really came in and established a totally different type of culture within a program that was unprecedented. And I think that uh, was cause for a lot of success, not only in that year, but within all of our future selves and so my question to you is specifically about culture is there a process that you have nailed down or is it just responding to adversity in the proper way how do you establish a culture
1: man josh that's a that's a profound question um how do you how do you establish a culture? One, you have to know who you are. You have to be confident in the person that that you are. Um, and that comes through that comes through a lot of fire. I mean, it's funny today, it's so crazy how everything happens in life, but my son Jackson said, Dad, you didn't read me the Bible, Bible verse of the day today, right? Mm-hmm. And it was it was basically that the Lord will never never leave you. And and the part of the, the verse was um, you'll never be burned in fire. Mm-hmm. Um, you are refined through opportunities and and trials that you go through to give you confidence so you are ready for those leadership opportunities. I can be as enthusiastic as I want, but if I'm not confident, if I'm not competent, I'm not going to be ready. I'm four years now into being a principal. It's a lot easier to just be even more confident in the work that we're doing. Going back to it, though, who, who is Brian Tritian? And I can't be a leader like Tony Dungy. I'm not built like Tony Dungy. I love Tony Dungy. I read all his books, right? If anybody knows of Tony Dungy, he has that quiet strength about him. Lovey Smith, another great example of those things. I'm built more like a PJ Fleck. I'm built more probably like a Dabo Sweeney. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay. And that's okay. Dabo Sweeney loves his players. Listen to him in a post-game conference. I love, I love Ashton High School staff members. And so I think the culture that I try to set, right, is showing that I love them, is showing that I care about them. Hmm. Whatever that is. And staff member was going through a really hard time yesterday. Some tears flowing. We end the conversation. You better believe at three thirty, I'm going to be standing there in their front door at their at, saying, "How are you doing?" At the end of the school day, what can I do to help you? What I can do to support you? What I can do to serve you? And then that person today in a meeting said, "Brian, you're the best administrator. I've been in the education twenty two years. The best administrator I've ever had. It's not about me. That's God giving me a talent. And I'm just, I just get to be here and I get to use the tools He's given me to, to work with that We work with that person." Um. That to me is how you, you set a culture and you just, when somebody comes in your life too, that maybe isn't aligned with your culture, I start to view it as that person, that God put that person in my life for a reason, teach me something maybe, right? How do I continue
0: to support them, love
1: them in our relationship?
0: Yeah, that's a, honestly, a great answer. I think that really was uh A profound answer to a profound question um and what i'm hearing is is you're motivated by love to go above and beyond to serve others you may not think of it as above and beyond but i think to a person that doesn't that hasn't seen that before it really is above and beyond and just from a personal experience from my life from me to you i remember when we were losing a football game and something had happened in the game, whereas like it was pretty much over. I think we had four minutes left in the quarter or something, and the game was pretty much out of, out of reach. We were walking over the sideline, and you were upbeat, energetic, and loving. And you and you and you looked me in the eyes, and you were literally like, "Hey, we're still gonna win this game." And we did not But I remember thinking that was so foreign to me. I had never experienced uh, something so. I guess i would say again profound you know so i think sometimes to you this is this is normal but for other people this is something that's that they've never seen before and so once once they see that they're like oh they activate I, i would say it activates love and that's how you establish a culture by setting the precedent by exemplifying who jesus really is and instead of being like oh this is someone that's different than me this is actually, you know, let me try to change them. It's more like, hey, this is something that's different than me. Let's see what I can learn from them. Mm-hmm. And I just think that is the overall encompassing aspect of how to establish such a great culture. You know, whether you know exactly what you're doing or not, I believe you, through, you know, your previous experiences and in, in education, you have learned how to normalize love. Mm -hmm. yeah and so i think that's why you see you know yourself a principal for a a division one high school at such a young age is because you exemplify a lot of times what what people fear and they fear it because um it's foreign to them but you're making it normal And I think that's, that's what our calling is to be in life is the light and the darkness. So when people see light, yeah, it might hurt their eyes at first, but eventually they will be attracted to it and then they'll use it. So I would just have to say from my personal experiences, you really ignited that type of flame for me where I've realized that, Hey, life, life can be all about love. In fact, love is the ultimate motivator. Um, so for me, the next question rolling into that or rolling off of that would be uh when I think about a principal, I think about you know, yeah. discipline. And to me, love, there is discipline within love. So how do you, as a principal, and I know how you did as a coach, and I'm sure it's similar, how do you discipline?
1: So what I like, you said the word discipline, right? So John Wooden, even being a principal, I understand I use a lot of sports analogies. I just think people can see them. I think people can visualize them. As a principal, I try to work on that, try to use other analogies because I think that that you should be well-rounded. But John Wooden taught discipline versus consequences, right? And so on a punishment, sorry, discipline versus punishment. So I, I like the fact that you use the word, you use the word discipline. So I think a very real example is a student gets kind of like a vape in school. I think everybody kind of knows what vapes are today. They're smoking in school, right? right. I know you know what that means, but just being supportive to the listeners. And so we, we never punish the child. We provide discipline to the behavior. Right. It's the behavior that we are looking at, not the child. Yeah. I think, you know, because we love the child. We mm-hmm. love the student. We love the young person. We don't like the behavior because we know the consequences that is going to lead to. Right. And so even in the moments when the when the when the child and the, the student is struggling with the fact that they could have a fine or they could be suspended, whatever the consequence is going to be. There is always an opportunity for a teachable moment, right? We know in today's world, we cannot out arrest a behavior. We cannot just continue to arrest and a fine, right? We have to teach. And that's my opportunity as the leader and the principal in the building. Mm-hmm. I'm doing this because. I, I'm here to help you. I don't want to see you vape anymore. I don't want to see you smoke anymore. Josh or whoever that student is, you're a great person. I might even say the word, I love you, depending on the relationship I have with the kid, Mm -hmm. right? Some kids I don't know yet because Mm -hmm. they're school, but that's what we try to model. We try to get across and then continue to build that relationship, right? It's not over. Once that kid, once that student leaves my office and let's say they're suspended and they leave, right. That when they come back, it's like the sun coming up. It's a brand new day. It's a brand new opportunity to show somebody you love them and to model that for them. I don't know if they have that in their life, but we're
0: going to give it to them. Gosh, darn it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think uh, you're the perfect man for the job. I think you really know how to execute what I would call love discipline. I mean, I, believe discipline is love. I don't think you have to put the word in front of it. But I know there's a huge misconception out there what discipline actually is. If you, so, if, you don't, if we don't provide a
1: consequence, I'm not doing my job. Mm-hmm. Trust me, there's times God tells me to slow down, right? He's doing it because he loves me, right? He's not doing it because he doesn't care. If he didn't care, he wouldn't do it, right? And that'd be a problem.
0: Right, and a lot of it is... Bring security Uh, You know a lot of people that don't have security at home so when they come to school and they do all these things and you show them this type of discipline it actually presents security like oh that person cares about me Mm -hmm. they want to do it like you said unless they cared Mm -hmm. and I think it's unfortunate today well I mean in school but especially outside of high school uh, you'll see a lot of I mean, I don't even know how to describe it, but I know you know what I'm talking about. But it's a lack of discipline because they're afraid of hurting them, Mm -hmm. whether it be physically or psychologically. Um, Do you have an approach with how do you correct that type of thinking or an answer for that? are you asking in reference to like a parent or in like a societal aspect well, it's, it's just, i mean i'm i know you deal with parents in particular but in society i'm i think stigma there where we don't discipline our kids because it'll yeah. affect them psychologically
1: you, you know my, my honestly my approach is so often i want to have the conversation with the parent and the student in the room at that same time mm. right and and I, I will I will describe to the parent I, and I haven't had the opportunity to do this a lot because sometimes parents are at work or we have to do it over the or do it over the speakerphone right, but when the, when it's more face to face obviously not COVID right time and stuff mm-hmm. like that um, I call up hey can you come in right we got, we got an issue with your with your with your student today and I want to talk to both of you before there's a consequence even handed out so sometimes the student will wait you know, 20 minutes. And then the parent comes in, I had the same conversation I was just describing, right. We want what's best for you. And I want to have that conversation in front of the parent to model that, Mm -hmm. that we do love you and we love your child and your mom and dad love you. And they're here to support you in this. And um, I find way more success with that because one, there's never a mixed message going home, Mm -hmm. right. They're not, they're not sharing something with their parent that, um that they didn't hear directly from me they get to see me right if i just send a student all oh, the principal suspended me today well yeah i did mm-hmm. however right this is the why this is the why behind that and i think when we're able to be all on the same page uh and show people we care i think it just goes so much further Mm-hmm. absolutely uh one drink of water just keep talking i'm
0: drink water oh i got you all right so yeah a question i have for you because you're dealing with high schoolers which is pretty uh what i would say um vulnerable years you know they don't like to act vulnerable right by that time they're very tough and big and don't need anybody's help but most people would suggest at those years especially 16 to 18 are their most Influential years, is there one thing that you try to get across to these kids before they go out on their on-
1: Well, character definitely. If I have those opportunities, um, enthusiasm, fun. Um, it, it's it's obviously a little bit different because I my my role is typically leading the adults, and then hopefully the adults are able to lead that to the students. But here's what, here's what we've done um, as a school system is making sure we have 650 kids in the building, making sure every kid has an adult that is overlooking them and has a relationship with them. And so we, we when, when we do that, right, we, we have lists of students that we want to make sure we touch base with. So we have lists and we write them notes, we write them emails, we make phone calls, we touch base with them, we – And, and I just, it's my job to model that for the staff and, and then hopefully they're modeling that with the students and and that goes straight back to love. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if you have somebody around you that cares about you, because we talked earlier in the, in the show who cared about me, right. You have me on here because I cared about you and there's people you care about Josh. Right. Mm -hmm. It's, I always look at it. It's not complicated. (laughs) Right. We try to make it so complicated in life, but really it's not. It's just mm-hmm. about caring for people and loving them and and, and and being there and supporting them. So, you know, that is that is a big thing we want to definitely get across to our students. Um, I you know, I guess I'm, I try to be the same way, right? Hey, how you doing? Hey, I heard you shot a big bear. Show me your picture. Hey, I heard mm-hmm. you shot a big fish. Show me your picture. Hey, you bought a horse? I know you bought a horse. Let's go play your horse, right? Oh, you were for FFA? yeah, hey, I'll buy some beef sticks in there. You know, so, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. All uh, right. So one thing I got to ask, though, and I don't want to make you cry, but what is the one thing you miss about coaching football and being a gym teacher? I miss – I miss
1: – oh. <laughs> You have a big impact as a principal. There is there is no doubt in my mind that our jobs are big, whether it's Mr. Tomas or Mr. Olson, we have the opportunity to, to steer things and I want to make sure it's it's clear it's a big job, right? It's important. But when you when you get a phone call from a kid that says, Coach, I um My girlfriend's pregnant. This is not you. I know that. (laughs) I haven't had a girlfriend forever. But, and they start crying. And this is five years. You haven't spoke to that person in five years. And I had to talk to you and I knew you'd make it right. Oof. You know when you're coaching young men, women, right? Definitely could be on the field. Make sure it's very clear. We're watching college uh, in, in NCAA Division One, you all step on the field here. But uh, that's why you do it. You know that the impact that you have, and there is no. I'm I'm just hundred percent convinced. Being a high school football coach or college football coach, Devil Sweeney is a great example. PJ Fleck. You have the biggest impact in the world Mm -hmm. on making a difference in young men's lives, young people's lives Mm -hmm. that can really truly propel them a positive pathway or a negative pathway. I really strongly mean it. And I don't, I'm not here to talk poorly about anybody. That's not my role, but you saw it done differently, Josh. And you've experienced differently and there's different ways of doing and there's different ways of showing love. And, and, and I just really truly feel that the football football does that you it's such hard work. Hmm, yeah. You got to quit making pizzas in the summertime to show up August 1st at 85 degree heat and run around. Right. And then mm-hmm. we pray in three weeks, we win a game. Yeah. That's, well, also you have to do that in today's life, right? It's the ultimate sacrifice. Mm-hmm. You're sacrificing so much and you are dependent on the guy next to you, the person next to you. And yeah, making pizza is important. And the person that made the crust, their job is important. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. It's nowhere near like if this guy missed a block, I might not have an ACL anymore.
0: Right. If well, this person misses a block, we're not going to score. Yeah. it's. Football is so interesting because it's there's really no other sport where you can have, you know, multiple, you know, older generations have that much of an impact on multiple younger generations
2: mm-hmm.
0: because it takes the entire coaching staff. It takes the entire player personnel to t- get home a W, right? Mm-hmm. In basketball, you kind of question whether the coach even does anything and not. I think, you know, I mean, during the game, during the game, but during the game, you're, you're calling plays, you're, you're into it just as much as an 18 year old, 17 year old is. So it's, there's a lot of barriers that have to be broken down in the, in one, for one common goal. And the best way to do it is through love and you're all operating through multiple different backgrounds and cultures and experiences for one thing. Something I I always, I mean, I know this isn't possible. I mean, maybe it is. But there needs to be some type of football experience for everyone. You know, just because I think, you know, you can look at society today and you'd be like, if they were ever in a locker room, they would have a totally different perspective on life. Mm -hmm. And so I think my next question for you would be, um, I mean, is it really any different the way your mindset is from being a high school football coach to a principal?
1: You can't, like, yell as much. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. Yo, Josh, um, it's not – it's not you're diff- you dealing you're dealing with adults you know versus a versus a high school student so you need to be mindful of that. Um, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, Josh, I huh. when you when you become a when you become a, a leader when you're the leader at the top don't always like using the the latter visual but that's just the best way to describe it to our listeners today you are going to find out a lot about people and their personal lives mm. and that's no different than what i know about but you or phil or brett or jake or leo or brandon and that that philosophy should never ever change yeah about how much you care about somebody and how much you love them and what you're going to do to show them that and what you're going to do to support them in that, that should never change. That should not change. If I'm a football coach, if I work at the grocery store or if I, that should not change at all. When we, when I was coaching football, we did this, I did the same thing. I had, I had all you guys enlist in my office and I'm like, boy, I haven't talked to Josh in a while. I'm going to buzz down a the lunchroom. Hey, Josh, how's mom doing? Right? Mm-hmm. How you doing? Right? Jake, you know, how's the Dalbricks, right? And he wasn't in our building the co-op, right? So I had to call him, Right? I text right. him. Um, I think of Nick Murray. Yeah. Right? And Nick left us his senior year. And um, I was calling him every day when he was having surgery.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that goes no different than being a principal, Right? Staff mayor comes to me, got something going on, and we're going to do the same thing. It's the same philosophy.
0: Yeah, I think that's really special. I think it's unique, and I think it's something that could really be beneficial in any environment. Um, I know you know this, but, you know, when I was, and I've, I've heard this common thread throughout a lot of people's lives. So when I was working in my corporate engineering job a few months back, the thing that I missed the most, what I lacked the most, was serving a purpose, you know, serving others, and I know you can volunteer, well, you couldn't really volunteer because of COVID and all that stuff, but the camaraderie wasn't there, the, like I said, what I feel a lot of people need in life is to help other people, especially if you, if you find your common core, right, I think a lot of the times I was confused about who I was growing up, because I wasn't being honest with myself. I was just trying to make it the best I could with what I had type of thing. Mm -hmm. And then, so when I started to be honest with myself, I was like, well, what is it that I can do in this, in this world that I truly love to do? What would I do for free? And basically boils down to helping others Mm -hmm. through love motivation. And, you know, a lot of the times where my mind went initially was, well, it's, you can't get paid for that. You know, I don't want to be poor. And. I could just volunteer type thing. Um, But what I'm starting to realize now is if you do truly anything correctly, like say be a principal or be an engineer or a high school football coach, if you're establishing that culture, that culture is what we all love. That's what we all crave. And I think there's a lack out there within corporate where that's, that's not the goal. The goal is to make money and the best way to make money in today's world, not the best way to make money, but the most efficient way with what we know right now is the fear motivation, Like, You show up, you get your work done or else, you know, that type of mindset. And I think it's such a foreign concept for people like me that learn how to have a good culture. So for me personally, what I'm endeavoring on is how to incorporate what you are doing on a on a bigger scale you know when a scale where it lacks the most like good companies know how to have a good culture there's a lot of average companies out there that are scrambling and so there's a lot of people in this world that are mixed up in it um do you see the same things as well? I know you're within the education system, but was there a point in your life where you're like, this isn't okay? Like there has to be a better way.
1: I, I think what you're trying to ask is 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 I'm gonna go right back to that that philosophy of the of the scoreboard. Mm-hmm. If I just chase data, I will always leave empty. And I think of I, I'm Brian Treteen that gets to be a principal.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the day I retire, if I if I lose my identity, right? And the fact that I'm a principal, I, I didn't do I didn't do some things right then. I didn't do some things well because the day I retire shouldn't change my philosophy in, in life and so if we if we don't put love first we don't put love first in what we're doing you I'm, i don't mean to be point blank with you you will leave feeling empty you you felt empty in your job because you didn't feel like your why was leading to your purpose right right our purpose at the high school is to be student-centered,
2: period.
1: Mm-hmm. It's about loving those children, those beautiful, wonderful children that we have the opportunity to impact, right? We need to model that. And when we see that, we need to celebrate that. Right? I had a student the other day email a teacher, CC'd me in the he CC'd me in the communication. Thank you for being the best teacher I've ever had. Boom. I got a note to that student right now. That students getting to know it, right? We're going to celebrate. That that student exhibited a character trait that we want to see in our young people, and that that it's maybe the first time a kid ever gets
0: a note in the mail. Boom! But that kid's it. right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's you know I like that you brought it back to that scoreboard analogy because that really is true. Because like I said, I think we have found ourselves in a in a time where it's all about the numbers, and and like we said, we like we like it. W's right. That's that's the reason we play the game on Friday and Saturday, but everything building up to it is all about love. Yep. Um, So, yeah, we're probably going to end this here within a couple of minutes, only a couple more questions, but uh, I guess something that I would, you know, just like to know in general is other than love, I know we talked about that a lot today, which I'm extremely happy about. Um, How do you, well, I guess we can stick on love. How, how do you, though because we talked about creating energy if you don't have energy you got to create energy well what about those days where it sucks and and, and you're and you're feeling down you know you got some crazy things going on in your own life um how do you how do you get over that hump and still exhibit the consistent character that you are hmm. that's a great question a tough question
1: that's um I'm 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 not perfect at it. Um, but I, I listen to Life Church. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the app Life Church.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And there's a leader on there that I adore, and uh, he talks about your buckets, right? You have a spiritual bucket, you have a physical bucket, you have a mental bucket, you have an emotional bucket. And yeah, there's days in life, in my job, in my marriage, in my friendships, where man, some of those buckets are empty. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes they're depleted out of things that are not our control. Um, there are hard things that happen in life. So there's there's things you have to do, right? We keep going back to, to football, but I love Randy Kidder, mm-hmm. right? Remember Coach Kidder? Yep. Remember Coach Mertzig,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? Well, you'll never forget Coach Mertzig. <laughs> How could I? <laughs> right. You need to surround yourself with like-minded people in life. And as a leader, you have to do that. I'm not talking about yes, people. Mm-hmm. Hey, here's an idea. I don't always, oh yeah, it's a good idea. Let's keep moving forward. That's not what I'm talking about, right? But there's definitely times when we have to go into battle with each other and you have to have my back. Mm-hmm. You have to have my back. We might not agree when we are behind closed doors and that's okay. Now, You're asking about energy. You're asking about when those buckets are depleted. When you have people that you trust and that you love, that are part of your staff, that are part of your leadership group, right? There's times I have to walk into Ms. Houston, assistant principal's office and go, I need your help. I am so frustrated with this. I need your help. And I have to be able to have that. And she does that to me, right? Mm -hmm. And we have to be able to support and lift each other up If you don't have that, it's really hard. You have to have those people in life. There's definitely times too when I might have to call Mr. Tomish and say, how do you do this? I've got other leaders in my life. They go, how do you handle this, right? How do you get through this? And they help me, they make me a better leader and they help fill my bucket back up. Balance is important. If I do nothing but work, 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 I'm gonna deplete another aspect of my bucket. If I don't get a workout in, I'm gonna deplete an aspect of my bucket. And God makes it very clear, balance is important. If I would just work 12 hours a day in my principal job, I will not love people the way I want to love them. If I walk into my into my office, into the building burnt out, I will not be as effective, and impactful of a leader.
0: Yeah, that's a great answer. I really like how you said that you need other people because that's so apparent with anybody that's successful, it'll be the first to tell you that it wasn't me on my own. I had a I had a family behind me that's helped me get to where I am and some of the most successful people and King Solomon is one of them. One of the first things King Solomon did was put a wise counsel around them and as we were saying earlier, iron sharpens iron mm-hmm. and so you know how me and Phil have always had a really great friendship. That's, that's always been me and Phil. We've always had each other to hold each other accountable to give you know feed off of each other when you know one wasn't necessarily feeling it that day yep so i think it's important for our listeners to hear that it's okay to be vulnerable like you don't have to pretend that you're the tough guy all the time that you always have the energy it's important to you know use energy from other people and i think that takes uh you know like i said vulnerability humility and knowing that you need other people to be successful in life um so this is probably the last question here um before we wrap up but uh i guess moving forward what is it what is something one thing that you would like to see within yourself or within the school uh that's better than this previous year can be anything
2: well
1: um it's so funny you're asking that question because I, it, we, we literally just – we've just started that journey mm-hmm. um, where we, 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 we want every student in the building. Not that we haven't done that before, but we are taking – we're taking that journey and putting it on steroids. And so every staff meeting, we have people giving examples of how they're making a relationship, the impact that's having on students. The impact that's having on themselves, and we've always talked about it, but now we're going to put that into into action, and we're going to celebrate that, and we're going to monitor. Right? So now you're looking at data. Now you're looking at those things that we feel they're still important in life. Right? That the scoreboard's there for a reason. Data is there for a reason. Data tells us something. The scoreboard tells us something. How we come out of halftime, the data we have around that tells us something.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Does every kid in our building have somebody that they trust they love they adore whatever that is? that is what we want to finish out if you're strong and hopefully we just continue that pulse and we we also help and support folks that maybe um, have never looked at it like this mm-hmm. never
0: but I need exa- I need to make, I need to be the role model of that so yeah well that's that's pretty sweet and just, uh dive in a little bit, um, how, how you get results. Do you set goals? And if you do, how do you set your goals? Do I set goals?
1: Yes, I set goals. How do I set goals? Um, student data is important, and there's, there's certain aspects around that that are, that are very important in those, those we typically set as teams, or we've set, state sets those a little bit, um, uh, maybe the school board sets some of that so that some of that is, is there but um, I'm not sure if you've ever heard of Jimmy Casas. he's a he is a high performing retired principal now okay and so I, we, I'm going to go back to what we talked about with why why am I the way I am right you got to be confident who you are and you need to lead the way you strongly feel you need to lead right and so I feel like I'm a, I'm a Jimmy Costas type leader. I'm a more of that mold and uh, that's okay. That's, that's great. But why are you doing what you're doing today, Josh? What, why, why are you doing this today? Right And I'm, I'm going to get to my point, but I'm going to make, I'm going to ask you a question. Why are you doing what you're doing?
0: This podcast or. Yeah. podcast or what you're doing in life now. I'm doing it because I want to help other people. I love, I love. Uh, helping other people overcome. Yeah. And, and I love that about you. That's that's your why living out your
1: purpose. And so I want to make sure every teacher in our building is a champion for kids. I don't I don't necessarily go around and say that, hey, are you a champion yeah. for kids? <laughs> hey, are you a champion for kids today? Hey, you're champion, but right, when that teacher's frustrated or disgruntled, can we help build them up and support them? And at the end, if we can say, yes, we just built a champion for kids. We did not just mm-hmm. me Make that very, very clear. That's yeah. that. That's the goal I set. So if you got 45 teachers in the building, we need 45 champions for kids.
0: That's the goal that we're setting. Yeah. All right. So very last question. Um, I'll be here all night. <laughs> I know that. Um. Uh, so what I want to, what I want to ask you is because, uh, Uh, you've done very good at this, at least from from my experience, Um, admitting when you're wrong, willing to be wrong, and learning from being wrong. Uh, Can you just take me through when you mess up or uh, when you know you make a mistake, how do you address that? How do you overcome it? I, I, I just say in general life or probably more in my role? Uh I would say life. you can you can dive into it as a principal too. either one's fine. Well, I sure am glad I'm forgiven. That's all I have. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean that's definitely the start of it.
1: <laughs> oh man. Um it, I I uh, it's, I'm such a simple person that comes down to certain things, Josh. It's so, it's so not hard for me to say, I shouldn't have treated you that way, Josh.
0: Well, it's about time you said it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I just, I'll give you two things, right. As I remember on the football field one time and I you talked about not hitting the quarterback and like, gosh darn kid hit the quarterback. And I'm just, I lost my cool. Mm-hmm. I was wrong, but, I'm not saying that losing your cool is bad, but I I went a little too far, okay? <laughs> I didn't swear, right? I didn't try to, I didn't, I didn't demean the kid, but I mean, everybody, you, nobody needed to be treated the way I treated that young man that day. That's all I'm gonna say about that. Mm-hmm. You know what, I didn't sleep that night. I did not sleep, I walked up, I made sure I found that young man the next day and I shook his hand I said, I'm sorry. The very next day of practice I said, I'm sorry, and this is why, and this is mm-hmm. what I am going to do to correct that behavior. Mm-hmm. Right? If you're sorry, you talk about what you're not going to do to exhibit that behavior again. I'm not saying you're not going to make that mistake again. It's possible. We're human, right? So the other day, a staff member, I made a mistake. Right? <laughs> I emailed them something, and I was incorrect on in the information I provided them, mm-hmm. and um, it was a it was a hard conversation we were going to have. Right? There was some. Some things didn't go well on their end as well. And so I had, I had to say in the conversation, this is my fault. I will be more accurate in this area next
0: time. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was an awesome answer because, and anybody that's listening knows we all make mistakes and we're all going to continue to make mistakes. But what's important is... How to come over, how to overcome those mistakes. And I think apologizing, like knowing when you're wrong and apologizing genuinely is so important. And then learning from it so you can take better action the next time you come into a similar situation. I think too often we find ourselves unforgiving of our mistakes because we view that as an area of weakness. I think it's important for people listening and just for society in general it actually takes courage to admit when you're wrong and to explain what happened and i think that once you once you did apologize for what you did to that kid which i thought was funny but <laughs> you know you did you did have to apologize and i think that meant a lot to the kid and i think it meant a lot to the team because we realized who we had as a coach and i think it's a lot easier to play for somebody like that especially at the high school level. Um, but yeah, that'll wrap it up for our conversation here. Um, again, I really want to thank you for coming on and being so transparent. I think there's a lot of fun from this this discussion that we've had. And um, You got any last words before we uh, end this? No, I, uh,
1: I'm i proud of you. I'm proud of you, Josh. I'm, I'm proud of you for, for the young man you've become. And... Um, I for the, for the listeners out there, I, I had the opportunity of truly meeting Josh to, to truly God's work. And uh, that's easy to say and, and potentially hard to see in, in, in the life path that you and I have had together. But I, I came you came into my life for a reason, right to teach me something, Josh. And uh, I needed you more in my life at the time probably than you ever even realized and I I probably needed you more in my life at the time and you probably needed me Mm -hmm. um I came I came from a previous school district where I thought I was going to be the head football coach and I came to on, and we had the opportunity to uh, of the the year we had but we, we were fortunate enough to win on the scoreboard but those relationships that we have um and I still have with you guys, is is way more impactful than those, those wins and losses. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I want to say thank you for what you're doing in your life, Josh, because you're living out your purpose. You're living out your why. And um,
0: hopefully your buckets are filled. And uh, just keep up the great work. Absolutely. I uh, really appreciate the uh, encouraging words. Um, all right. So that will do it for this episode.